Good. Thank you, gentlemen. Let's take our Bibles, please, and open to uh, John chapter 14. back in the 1990s that there was a Christian book published which had a rather long and interesting title and it was this pain is inevitable but misery is optional so stick a geranium in your hat and be happy interesting title Um, interesting advice I'm not really sure about the geranium aspect Uh, although I have to admit I haven't tried it. But I was particularly interested in the first part of the title, Pain is Inevitable, but Misery is Optional. I think that's uh, certainly true, that uh, pain is inevitable, uh, even for the Christian. Uh, May I say especially for the Christian. You know, one of the hard things about being a human is that often it hurts And we go through life uh, recovering from one hurt just long enough to sustain another one uh, and then recover from that and then there's another one. Or sometimes we don't even have too much time to recover. They seem to come quite rapidly. The wounds can be deep and the scars can be very, very visible. There's physical pain. There's also psychological pain, mental, emotional. There's also spiritual pain. Romans chapter 8 says the whole creation... And everyone in it, Christians included, we groan um, because it's a fallen world. And God knows this and God understands and God cares. So much so that God has prepared an eternal place where he shall wipe away all tears from our eyes. There should be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things have passed away and the former things referred to there are the things of this life passed away in the next, in heaven, for those who know Christ as their saviour. And we have to also say that even for this life, God has made some wonderful provisions for his children. He has made it possible for us not to sin. He's made it possible for us to live a victorious life, free from the entanglements and the enslavements of the world. He's made made it possible for us, according to the words of Romans chapter 8, to be more than conquerors. But uh, we have to admit that often our conquering sort of conks out. And we do get knocked about. But often we are encouraged by the sure knowledge that even though we do fail, that God's love doesn't fail. God still loves us. And yet, in spite of the fact that uh, God loves us, Christians are very much aware that the devil hates us. And the world hates us. And so vehement is that hatred sometimes that uh, Christians seem to suffer in more ways than even unbelievers do. And it does hurt. There's the pain of animosity. There's a pain of persecution. There's a pain of rejection and alienation and pain of being misunderstood and misrepresented, added to all of these, the the normal things that are just part of being human. The pain of frailty, the pain of failure, the pain of broken relationship, the pain of disappointment, of course the pain of bereavement. 
God has a wonderful place prepared for all of his children that will be free from all of those pains. But God has even provided in the here and now something that helps us, something that eases the pain, something that comforts us in our sorrow. And that is this. Uh, Jesus spoke of here in John chapter 14, 15 and 16. And that is this, that God has provided us with, with a comforter. He has provided us with a comforter. Jesus introduces him in John chapter 14, mentions him in chapter 15 and 16. Just have a look at John chapter 14, verse 16. Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he will will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Verse 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. A good comforter is a great blessing. In Lamentations chapter 1, Jeremiah bemoans the fact that he has no comforter. He says, For these things I weep, mine eyes, mine eyes runneth down with water, because the comforter that should have relieved my soul is far from me. When overwhelmed by pain and sorrow, not to have a good comforter greatly magnifies and intensifies the sorrow. When overwhelmed by pain and sorrow, to have some bad comforters greatly magnifies and intensifies the pain as well. As Job discovered, miserable comforters ye are indeed, Job said. And Job's comforters have never lost their reputation. And yet a good comforter is a great blessing. I have a book at home entitled Comforting the Bereaved. And if anyone needs comforting, certainly it is those that have been bereaved. And that's exactly the context in which Jesus introduces the comforter to his disciples. That is the context of bereavement. You see, in John chapter 14, the disciples are struggling to cope with a bereavement. Not that it had taken place yet, but it was about to happen. Jesus told them it was about to happen. In John chapter 13, Jesus tells them that he's going away. He tells them that he's going to a place that they cannot follow him now. In John chapter 14, he tells them he's going back to heaven. He tells them he's going to leave them to return to heaven. And for them, that is a bereavement. And it's very interesting that into, in the context of this anticipated bereavement, with all the pain and the sorrow that that would involve for them, it's in this context that Jesus introduces the, to them this comforter, the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 16 again. And I'll pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. Jesus says to his disciples, you know, for the pain that you are feeling at this time, I will not leave you comfortless. I will give you a comforter. And brethren, Jesus says to us that for the pain that you are feeling at this moment, he doesn't leave us comfortless. 
he has provided for us a comforter. Now you might be thinking, well, how is it that the Holy Spirit comforts me? How is it that the Holy Spirit is a comforter to me? Well, that's a good question. And this is what I'd like for us to consider in our remaining time together this evening. The comforting ministry of the Holy Spirit. How does that happen? Well, first of all, he comforts us by his presence. He comforts us by his presence. If you look down at verse 18, John chapter 14, verse 18, Jesus says, I will not leave you comfortless. It is very interesting. The word for comfortless there is the Greek word. It's normally translated as orphans. Jesus is going away, but he wasn't going to leave them as orphans. He went back to heaven and he left them with an equally divine substitute instead of him. Someone who was just like him. The Holy Spirit. To be to them all that Jesus had been to them. He says, I will leave you, I will send another comforter. The Greek word for another there is not heteros, which is another of a different kind. But we get the word heterosexual, another of a different kind. It is not that word, it's the word alos, which means another of the same kind. Someone else just like him. Can you imagine what it would have been like for the disciples to have Jesus absent and to have no Holy Spirit to help them going forward? Try to imagine it. We wouldn't have seen a band of preachers equipped to turn the world upside down. Rather, we'd see a company of fishermen without great influence at all, a band of men which in a very short space of time would have melted under the influence of unbelief and cowardice. Jesus was all in all to his disciples while he was here. With him, all things were possible. Without him, they could do nothing. And now he's going away. And when he went, he sent the Holy Spirit of God so that all that Jesus was to his disciples, the Holy Spirit would be and would continue to be to his church. And if there's any power in the church today, if there's any light in our instruction, if there's any life in our ministry, if there's any edification of the saints... If there's any glory to God, it is entirely and exclusively because God is with us in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Does it comfort you to know that God the Holy Spirit is present with you? We don't have to lock ourselves away in an upper room and tarry until... He be sent down. We don't have to pray that he might be sent down from heaven. He is already sent down from heaven. He's never, never gone back again. He dwells in the church perpetually. He dwells in the saints eternally. He abides with us forever. Certainly we can pray that the Holy Spirit would work. But he's always present with us. Think along these lines. If I have the Spirit of God perpetually and eternally with me, then I know I can be assured that he will help me. If I were alone, if I, if I had to fight my spiritual battles unaided, then I'd certainly despair. But if it is true that the eternal God himself, in the majesty of omnipotence, dwells within my heart, then my soul can be of good cheer 
and be greatly encouraged. And though Satan should roar against us, and though the lust of the flesh rebel, and though the temptations of the world should avail, and problems rise round about us like mountains, if the Holy Spirit be present with us in this earthen vessel, then perfection will one day be attained, and victory will be won, and the last enemy shall be trodden down. The Holy Spirit is the seal, the guarantee of the ultimate fulfilment of our salvation, justified, sanctified, glorified. And he deserves to have the name Comforter from the mere fact of his presence with us. Another way that the Holy Spirit comforts us is by his person. Not just his presence, but his person. This Holy Spirit, what kind of person is he? There might be some people who would interrupt us at this point and say, well, that's not a legitimate question. The Holy Spirit is not a person. He's an influence. He's a power. He is a force, and that is the view held by many cults and sects and infidels and heretics. What does the Bible teach? Everywhere in the Bible, the personality of the Holy Spirit is assumed and accepted, never called into question. The Bible doesn't seek to prove the existence of God. From the very first verse, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the existence of God is assumed and accepted. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and in the same way, The Bible doesn't set out to prove the personality of the Holy Spirit. It's everywhere assumed and accepted. And even as the existence of God is evident throughout the scriptures, so too throughout all of the scriptures, it is evident the Holy Spirit is a person. His attributes affirm his personality. His works affirm his personality. His personal names affirm his personality. He possesses personal characteristics. He does personal acts. He is susceptible to personal treatment. Trinitarian doctrine is Bible doctrine. There is one God in three persons. God the Father is a person. God the the Son is a person. God the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is as much God as the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit is as much a person as the Father and the Son. What sort of person is he? What kind of comforter is he? He is a loving comforter. I'm in distress and I want some consolation, I want some comfort. And so I might go to some professional. He sits down with me, he tries to cheer me, speak soothing words to me, but he doesn't love me. He's a stranger, doesn't know me at all. He's just trying to summon his skill to help me. What's the result? His words run off me like water for duck's back. His words are like the pattering of rain upon a rock. I don't break my grief. He doesn't love me. But let someone who loves me come to me and sit with me and talk with me. Then, then those loving words are like music to my soul. Such a person knows the, the password that unlocks my heart. And my ear is attentive to every word of someone that loves me. Love speaks a language which the aching heart does understand. The Holy Spirit is a loving comforter. He speaks to us inspired truth. He speaks to us infallible truth. He speaks to us authoritative truth. He speaks to us sufficient truth. He is the spirit of truth. He speaks the truth in love. He's a loving comforter. Why should we run to someone else 
who doesn't know us, who doesn't love us, who doesn't know God, who doesn't know his word, who doesn't, know his, who doesn't believe in the sufficiency of scripture, who doesn't believe in the inspiration of scripture, why would we run to them when God has provided for us in the scriptures and in the Holy Spirit who helps us to understand the scriptures, everything that we need? He's also a faithful comforter. Love has sometimes shown itself to be unfaithful. Far worse than having an enemy is having an enemy who was once a loving friend. But has now proved to be unfaithful. And the deeper the love was, the greater the pain now because of the unfaithfulness. But the Holy Spirit of God is not like that. He ever loves. He loves to the end. He's a faithful comforter. He's also an unwearied comforter. You know, there have been a number of times, I recall, when you seek to, maybe you've even been invited to have a ministry to someone to help them deal with their problems, and, and you start addressing one thing, but then they bring up another point. And so you sort of do a bit of a retake, and you marshal resources, and you, you speak to that issue, and then they bring up something else. And, and so then you um, take, change tact and start to deal with that thing, and then they bring up something else. Uh, and, and so it goes, and it, and, and it wears you down. And sometimes we get to the point where we think, I'll, I'll just give up, I can't, I can't do this. You plug you know, a hole in one, you plug your finger in one of the holes, and then there's another one, you put your finger in that one, and, and you run out of fingers. But the Holy Spirit is not like that. Being God, he neither slumbers nor sleep. His love his power, his patience are unending. He is an unwearied comforter. Fourthly, he's a wise comforter. Job's three comforters thought that they were exceeding wise and when Elihu came along, it seemed like you know, wisdom was personified, but how wrong they were and God made them apologise. And doctors have sometimes made mistakes in their procedure and in their prescriptions and sometimes it's with bad results. And yet how wise the Spirit is. He understands all things. He knows the mind of the Spirit. He knows the hearts of men. He knows exactly what it is that we need and how we need to have it. He's a wise, infinitely wise, all wise comforter. It's also an active comforter. He doesn't just comfort us by his presence or by his words, but also by his deeds. You know, some people comfort by saying, go your way, be warmed and filled, and yet they don't give anything. But the Holy Spirit gives. The Holy Spirit gives promises. The Holy Spirit gives grace. The Holy Spirit gives guidance. The Holy Spirit gives wisdom. The Holy Spirit gives strength. The Holy Spirit gives power, and so he comforts us. He's a very active comforter so we see how the holy spirit comforts us by his presence by his person thirdly by his prayers let's have a look at romans chapter 8 please please turn over to romans chapter 8 The context here is that of suffering and pain and hardships that we have to do, endure because we are in a fallen creation. Verse 18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Verse 22, 
For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the, of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to it, the redemption of our body. Verse 26, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You know, one of the great things about being a Christian is that at any time we can pray. And what a great comfort it is to be able to, in the midst of trials and tribulations, to go to the Lord in prayer. That's a wonderful comfort to be able to pray. But sometimes when it's really bad, it's great to have someone to pray with you. And it's great to have other people pray for us. But the reality is that sometimes when things get so bad, we can't pray for ourselves and other people are at a loss as to how to pray for us. We don't know what to pray. We don't know how to pray. But brethren, be comforted to know that at such times the Holy Holy Spirit prays for us. It says here that the Holy Spirit maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And the word groanings there is stenagmos, which is found in only one other place in the New Testament. It's used in Acts chapter 7, verse 34, where Stephen is giving his defense before the Sanhedrin. Stephen is describing the call of Moses and recalling God's words that God used on that occasion. The Lord said, I've seen, I've seen the affliction of my people, which is in Egypt, and I've heard their groanings. Same word here. Very, very suggestive in that context. So great was the burden upon God's people at that time. So great was the tribulation that they were experiencing under the Egyptians that the the word used to describe what they were experiencing was this word groanings. And knowing that the, the, the Spirit of God dwelling within us in expressing the burdened state of our souls, which is so much similar to what, you know, uh, Israel was like in Egypt, what they were experiencing. That's the way that we, that, you know, we feel we're experiencing. So, such, such great oppression. And in that kind of situation, the Holy Spirit prays and he, he groans. He identifies with us fully. He knows that we're in this state where we desire just to be liberated. We want to be free from all of this. And, and, and redemption's coming, brethren. The day is coming when we'll be redeemed from this bondage of corruption. We brought in the glorious liberty of the children of God. That day is coming, but for now, we groan. The Holy Spirit groans with us. And we don't know how to articulate it properly, but he does in a way which God understands, the Father understands. And what a comfort it is for us to know that even in those times when we just, we just don't know what to pray or how to pray, the Holy Spirit does and the Holy Spirit will. And it cannot be doubted that the Holy Spirit's prayers for us are effective. And Paul gives us three reasons why they must be. Verse 27. Because God searches the heart of man as only he can. And the Holy Spirit prays according to the will of God as only he can. And God knows what is the mind of the Spirit. And he understands the groanings of the Spirit. great to be able to pray through a trial it's better to have someone pray with us but what a great comfort is to know that the someone who prays with us and for us and prays right according to what we need at that time is the 
the Holy Spirit. And so he comforts us by his prayers. The knowledge of his ministry is a great comfort to us. Well, fourthly and finally, the Holy Spirit comforts, comforts us by his power. Verse 26 here says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. That word helpeth, the, word, the Greek word translated helpeth there also appears only one other, one other place in the New Testament where it's very descriptive. It's found in Luke chapter 10, verse 40. It's used there is most enlightening. Jesus is the guest in the home of Mary and Martha. Mary was found at Jesus' feet, but Martha could be heard banging pots and pans around the kitchen. And her irritation was growing. Why should she have to be should should she have to slave away at the sink when Mary's just there, there sitting down, doing nothing, just listening to Jesus speak? And suddenly, suddenly she can't contain herself anymore. She just blurts out, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her that she help me. And there's the Greek word there. Same Greek word. And this is the very idea behind the ministry of the Holy Spirit there in Romans chapter 8. The kind of help that we need, practical, down-to-earth, in-the-kitchen kind of help, the kind of help that we need to be encouraged in our service so we're not weary in our well-doing, that kind of help is provided to us by the Holy Spirit. The very name comforter used by Jesus in John chapter 14, 15 and 16 Used to identify the Holy Spirit. That Greek word there is parakletos, which literally means someone called alongside to help. Now he won't do it for us, but he'll help us to do it. He won't necessarily take us out of the situation, but he will help us in the situation. He won't necessarily change things externally, but he'll work internally within us, helping us to change. The Holy Spirit is God, omnipotent God. He has power to help us. A.J. Gordon tells of an interesting incident that he witnessed while walking and looking across the fields at a house. Beside the house there was what looked like to him a man pumping furiously on one of those old hand pumps. As Mr. Mr. Gordon watched the man continued to pump at a tremendous rate. He seemed absolutely tireless, pumping on and on, up and down, without slowing down the slightest. Mr. Jordan thought this was Mr. Gordon thought this was a remarkable sight, and so he walked towards it. And as he got closer, he could see it wasn't a man actually pumping a pump. It was one of those wooden figures painted like a man. And the reason why his arm was pumping so rapidly is because it was hinged at the elbow, and the hand was wired to a pump handle. And the water was pouring forth, not as a result of the man pumping it, but because there was an artesian well. And the water springing up was actually pumping the man's hand, empowering the man. And so it is with the Holy Spirit. It's not we who do the work, so to speak. He does it through us. But we need to keep our hand on the handle. And God doesn't leave us comfortless. He has provided us with a wonderful helper, a wonderful comforter. But the the reality is that many of us are ignorant of the Holy Spirit's ministry to us. 
especially his comforting ministry. He comforts us by his presence. He comforts us by his person. He comforts us by his prayer. He comforts us. He helps us by his power. This is for the Christian. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christian, the, the Spirit of God has no comforting ministry for you. As a matter of fact, he doesn't comfort you at all. He does the exact opposite. He makes you feel very uncomfortable about your sin. That's what Jesus says. The Holy Spirit is given to convict you. The Holy Spirit doesn't dwell within you, but he is about you as God is everywhere. And the Holy Spirit, God uses his spirit to convict you of your sin. And of the fact that there is judgment to come. There is coming a day when you will stand before God for judgment. And in your sinful state, you will not endure that judgment. And the Spirit of God is convicting you, even at this moment, about that fact. The reason why he convicts you about that is so that you might be led to Christ. The Holy Spirit takes the things about Christ and shows them unto us and helps us to understand. He, he makes us feel uncomfortable about our sin, but he helps us see, see clearly that we have a wonderful Savior in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the God of this world blinds people's mind to that fact, lest they hear the gospel and are saved. He doesn't want people to hear that message or understand or see that that is true. But the Spirit of God opens our eyes and helps us to see, convicts us of our sin and illuminates our mind to see Christ as the only Savior. And this is the ministry that the Spirit of God is working on. Have someone here this evening. And you too can receive the unspeakable gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can do that this evening. And the same moment you receive the equally priceless gift of the Holy Spirit who comes to dwell within you. This evening I can't... <coughs> I'm not going to sell you a geranium. I'm not going to sell you anything tonight, but I can offer you God's free gift. God's free gift of salvation, which is provided in the person of his son. And so this is the offer that we're pleased to repeat this evening. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And for the Christian, let's know and understand this. That in addition to the priceless gift of his son, God has also given us his Holy Spirit. Who is just as much God as Jesus is God, as the Father is God. And this is the gracious thing that God has done for us for the duration of the church age. He has provided us, Jesus isn't here in person. But he is here in the, in, in the, the, the spirit of Christ dwells within us. And he abides with us forever. And he sealed us until the day of redemption. And this is one of the gracious gifts that God has provided for us. And brethren, let's rejoice in the knowledge of such a gracious thing. And let's avail ourselves of this wonderful ministry. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word of God which reveals things, these things to us. The Spirit of God so worked upon holy men of God. They spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. They wrote down these things for us. We wouldn't know that except that the Holy Spirit inspired the men to write. Thank you that they, that they did write. Thank you that what the, for what is revealed to us here concerning the Holy Spirit. 
Lord, this is for us. This is our inheritance. This is part of what it means to be in your family. Lord, what a blessing it is that you provided for us. And Lord, I do pray that you'd help us to, to as it were, unpack more of our inheritance. Lord, help us to, to understand what we have in Christ. Lord, open our eyes to behold and to know and indeed to experience the wonderful things that you have provided for us in the person and work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And even as the apostles' lives were greatly changed by the Spirit of God, transformed by the indwelling Spirit of God, I pray that our lives likewise would be progressively transformed, less and less like our old selves, more and more like the Lord Jesus. And we pray that the the power of God might be evident in us. Pray that it might be evident to all that the, the power is not of us, but of God. We have a treasure in earthen vessels. And uh, we thank you for it this evening. We pray with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, finally,